Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, it's the Freight 360 Podcast. From freight broker sales tips to sports talk, this podcast is all about helping you grow as a freight broker. We're your hosts, Nate Cross and Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. Welcome back to episode 145 of the Freight 360 Podcast. Ben, we're almost three years old, man. Isn't that crazy? It does. It kind of blows my mind. I was, it's funny you said that. I was thinking about like some of our first YouTube videos the other day and I went and looked at them and it's, it's pretty comical um, <laughs> going back and seeing where it all started and kind of yeah. what our first setups look like and everything. I was recording off of an iPhone at one point. So, which actually, you know, iPhone video and actually it's not that bad, but professional stuff comes out way better. So, but it takes time to get there and learn what works and how to, how to use everything. So come a long way. Well, Hey, we got a good episode today. Um, but uh, first, if you are brand new, welcome. You caught us on a great episode. We're going to talk about some carrier stuff today. Um, you know, make sure to share us with all your friends, leave that review. We're up, we're up to our, our Apple podcasts or whatever iTunes rating went up remember we had somebody that left like a one star well it's been yeah like two been, years uh, ago <laughs> it's been watered down with a bunch more i think we're up to almost like a hundred uh five star reviews on there now so um but yeah make sure to you know keep leaving those reviews i think we're, we're doing pretty good as far as the algorithm and all that make sure to you know go ahead and subscribe to the youtube channel and everything and free you know free good educational stuff coming out every single week so um so today's topic, and then we'll do a little sports. Um, what did you what'd you come up with? This, this was kind of your idea. Well, I threw two your way. So, and they were kind of similar. One, we were going to cover how to sell loads to carriers and develop better carrier relationships. And the other one was related to book of business. We're going to dig into the carrier side of this, right? Yeah. And then um, in the future, we'll dig into, um, you know, how to, how to keep and maintain your book of business during changing times, trying times, just general customer management type stuff and account management mm-hmm. stuff. So, um, good stuff. Well, Hey, for, for sports, um, let's see here. Golden state won the NBA championship. If I remember correctly, I'm not much of an NBA guy, but what was there anything in golf or anything, uh, cool or not exciting around the sports world? Brooks Kepka decide to sign on with the live golf tour. So he was the next person to, um, I don't know, I guess either. I don't know if he's officially resigned from the, the PGA. I can't remember what the terms are, but I did catch the article. Um, so it's another pretty major headlining golfer that has gone is over. That, the, so is that, is that live tour? Is it already happening or is it going to start later this year? No, there's already been, I think one event so far. <clears throat> and uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but that one event had the highest purse of any event up to this point in time. So, wow! And are they playing? The names are going after the money. the place. Or are they playing in the states and Europe, or what's the what's the? From what I saw, it seemed like a lot of them were in the U.S. If not most, actually, I think the okay. next one was definitely. I think it was in Washington, if I remember. Okay, but cool. It's going to be well, interesting. Good stuff. good stuff, man. Um. All right. Well, hey, let's let's give a shout out to our friends over at DAT, and then we'll dig into carry relationships and selling loads. Absolutely. 
Taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT load board network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners, and you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Check out the show note for a free month of Power Express or Trucker's Edge. Absolutely. So, um, what what made you think about this topic for today? Well, I mean, if most of it has to do with kind of where I've been working, where I've been spending a lot of time, and we're seeing a lot of brokerages with widening margins, but we're also seeing some with a little bit less loads and working back and forth on trying to, well, how do you manage and maintain better relationships as the market shifts, right? You know, shippers, the contract market is right is above the spot market still for what is it like the second and a half month, maybe third month I think, now? I think we're going on, on we're like three to four months. And I looked at it the other day. I think it's yeah. like, like March, April, May, and now June. I think March is where March is about where they crossed over. So maybe in mm-hmm. like three months. And, and to be honest, like there's just so much that goes into this, managing those relationships, how you do it, how you execute it. And just, honestly, personally, I had some frustration where I had some contract lanes where I was like literally going back and forth and trying to establish some of these same things. So I thought it'd be a pretty good topic. And again, everybody's out there looking at it. There's two sides to every business. You're either growing your loads, your relationships with shippers and customers. On the other hand, You've got to grow your margins or you're growing your load count. And I mean, there's two sides to every equation. I think this is one that we always need to keep focusing on and looking back at. I agree. And I want to I want to dig more into that. So the market cycle in brokerage is cyclical. And if you're new to freight brokering and you came in during the COVID times, you haven't really seen a normal market, right? Or I guess the normal, the normal cyclical nature of it. So typically the the market will follow sort of like the U.S. economy in general, right? So consumer demand, and we're going to actually answer a question about this in the Q&A section, but as the economy expands, right, there's a higher demand for, for goods and the majority of those goods are shipped over the road on trucks, right? Which leads to an influx in business for brokerages. And when that shipping demand goes up and you have a, a tight, you typically see like a tight carrier um, capacity side of it. Cause you know, there's only so many trucks and truck drivers out there. So until they can hire more and buy more trucks and do all that, you deal with tightened capacity. And then on the flip side, when consumer demand and purchasing goes down and you know, whether that's a recession or just uh, the cyclical nature of things um, there's less need for trucks. You'll see layoffs at trucking companies. Some of these businesses will go just totally out of business and shut down and you'll have a, a looser capacity. And when you have rates, when your capacity is tight versus when it gets loose and rates are high versus when rates drop back down, you want to have strong carrier relationships on that side of your business to help you ride that cyclical um, you know, process from when things are you know crazy busy versus when they start to recede a little bit. So I think, you know, in, the goal and a lot of smart freight brokers will they'll look at a metric and you can call it carrier utilization or you know you can call it whatever you want but the, the concept is how often are you using the same carrier are you are you booking a brand new carrier on every single load or are you trying to match up your customer's freight with consistent carriers that you can build a long-term relationship with um, and 
the higher that utilization rate is, or the, I guess the more you're reusing the same carriers, it's a win-win for everybody. You're not running around crazy trying to find a truck because you've got some in your back pocket and your carriers aren't running around trying to find loads to figure out pricing because they've already got an established rapport with you and they know that you've got consistent freight. So that's why this is super important because this is going to continue to happen where the market will shift up and down. Yeah. And there's, I think there's two things I want to point out too in what you just covered, right? So you have two cyclical things that tend to happen in the shipping market, right? Or in the economy. One is the entire cycle of the economy, which historically is usually every three to five years, there's a recession or a retraction, right? Three to four years of growth. We've got a retraction for maybe a couple months, possibly a year. And then we go back to growth. If you look backwards, that's the entire economic cycle, right? And what you pointed out, when it expands, you can grow, freight grows way faster than carriers because carriers have to buy trucks, finance them. They need built. They need drivers to drive those trucks. They need the staff to dispatch them, right? That growth happens a little slower usually than the speed at which freight can then be increased to come into the country. As much as a company can put in orders is as much as freight can go up as long as people are buying things. The other is you've got the the traditional seasonality of the shipping business that happens just with normal commodities, right? Most normal things ship seasonally in any given normal year, right? So produce is a very easy example because it only harvests a few months out of the year and then it's back to, you know, there's literally none of it shipping or much less. But even other things, you know, we have different cycles within shipping hours that relates to like the Christmas season, the consumer season. This is typically a peak in the year going into the 4th of July where people are buying more things, right? So you have a, a cycle of things, just the season of shipping, which back to your point, cycles, right? It gets loose and it gets tight. It's hard to find trucks when you've got more loads going into the busier seasons of the year. When produce is popping off in Florida, it's much tighter to find trucks and they move around. So that shift, right, it always should be moving from one direction to the other. And I think you pointed this out in another episode that like there's a broker that you had worked with or an agent that was like always working on the next market, right? Because if it's yep. cyclical, it takes a good three to four months to be getting a prospect to turn into a customer anyway. If you're really playing that cycle, you should always be working into the next cycle and you always can kind of be ahead of that. What's odd, and this is, I think, another reason why this is a great topic is the pandemic changed all that for a period of time. It didn't cycle. It got tight. It stayed tight. Capacity was very well, hard to find. It cycled in about 60 days <laughs> at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. It fell off a cliff and then it got super tight and then it stayed there until three and a half months ago. Roughly the beginning of this year, it started, it started to loosen back up again, right? So a lot of people in our industry, especially if they've not been in it for more than three years, have not seen the cycles, have just lived in an environment where you go to your customer and get more money if you've got the truck, right? But that's now shifting. And I know a lot of our listeners and the ones that we even work with and coach with haven't worked in that environment, haven't worked in an environment where it's easier to get carriers, but it's not necessarily easier to keep the same ones because the ones you've had, they want the same rate they were moving before. So they're yelling at you saying, well, why can't you get the same money? Well, then you're on the phone with your customer and the customer's like, look, you've had great service, but to be honest, we're not in the same market anymore. You're at 350 a mile. I'm now getting offers from trucks that I used to work with for $2.50 a mile. As much as I love your service, we spent so much money over budget in the past two years, we've got to find some way to get the profitability again, right? And that's yep. all normal. Like this is all what should happen. If you want inflation to come back, these things need to happen. Companies need to save some money so that they're not just constantly raising prices 
every quarter, every month, right? We're part of that. We're part of the supply. We're part of the inflationary problem. This is it, it pulling back, right? So again, I think it's a really good time to start talking about like, okay, what can we do? What are our options, right? And, and this is a really good example, I think, to go through. Like, what are you seeing from some of your agents? I'm assuming larger margins, lower load volume for some of it in some cases. What are you seeing? Um, well, I will tell you the, the ones that... The ones that are have learned from the last couple of years have really, really blown up in the last couple of months, right? They, they've been mm-hmm. able to strategically, I don't want to say take advantage like it's a bad thing, but they've been able to be strategic about the way that they've handled the way that rates and the carrier market has shifted. Um, so those folks have done very, very well. Um, I have had some people that their, their volume went down, but their margin has increased. So, but there's, I mean, there's other factors that go into that too. So I would say, I would say on average, you know, we've seen a lot of growth, um, but every single individual person is going to be a little bit different because some of these people, they spend a lot of time prospecting and they're gaining new customers. So naturally they're going to gain, you know, their total revenue is going to go up. We have seen an increase in our margin too. So um, like margin percentage wise, Uh, Mm -hmm. I think the margin percentage has gone up more so than the like actual dollars per load. Does that make sense? And that may, you know, it, yep. it should, right? Because your your cost of shipping and to get a truck right now is decreased. So, yes. you know, let's say you make 15% off of $1,000 versus 15% of $800, right? Same percentage, mm-hmm. but it's a different profit amount. It's a lower dollar amount. We've, seen right. our, we've seen our margin, our profit margin percentage go up almost a... Um, I've seen it almost a full percent in the last couple of months. Um, but yeah, I'd be curious. I haven't run like the, the, I, I want to compare it like 12 months ago to three months ago. I want to see how that looks, but what have you seen? Yep. Uh, a lot of the same. So some weeks I'm saying some of the clients that are seeing both of them go up load count and margin some, and then you, you see them maybe trending a little bit down in load count, but margins are going up because again, it's cheaper in the spot than what they're, the shippers are tending to pay in the contract market. So you should be getting some larger margins. And again, carriers need the loads. Like they can't make money if they're not running loads. So it is easier and it should be easier to book some of the carriers. Yeah. Well, and this is kind of, and this is what I wanted to talk through a little bit about, like some actual tips and some actionable things that you can do to help with these, right? Because I was talking with somebody about this yesterday. Like carriers, they're constantly and have been in the habit for the past two and a half years of chasing the spot market rate, right? What can I get paid now? Rate, rate, rate. And that's all they're going to focus on, right? But when we are on the phone to cover a load, right? Actually, in that conversation, what I hear from a lot of people is, well, if I don't have the money, I can't get the truck, right? And if you ever hear that, like that other cliche, it's like, if you live by the rate, you will die by the rate. Meaning yep. if you're only making money because you can get the money and you can pay your carriers, that is only going to last until the market shifts again, which is normally again, once a year, people have been so used to being able to hold rates for the period of the pandemic that they think that like, you should be able to hold them indefinitely. And that's really not the case in a normal market. I want to I want to add something in here before I move on. And this goes to the market, the cyclical nature of the market, and maybe I'll get some hate for my my thought on this, but I'm just going to say it anyway. This is a necessary evil to have the market cycle this way because 
it get like when it expands and it grows, it's great because there's opportunity for trucking companies to grow and to add, you know, add jobs and add drivers and all this stuff. But when it contracts, it's kind of a almost like a natural selection. This this cyclical nature weeds out the underperforming or um, poorly run businesses that can't financially. Hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't want to sound like. I'll hey, give you I a want, great example. To- no, yeah. no, and I'll I'll go further with that. I'll drive that point even further, and I'll tie some analogies into some other industries. Right, like some of my closer friends, and I do a lot of work in real estate. Same thing in that market, right? When you have a frothy market ones that we've been in, the bull market and the growth had been for so long, like the analogies and what you're seeing is it was raining money. People with no education are able to go buy NFTs and make hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Selling it to somebody else that thinks it's going to be worth more money. Well, eventually that stops, right? Because the greater fool theory eventually runs to the last person and then nobody else is willing to buy it for more than you did. You also saw it in real estate to some some degree where people are buying and flipping houses and getting into commercial real estate with no experience. Why? Because assets will always rise. Well, that also shouldn't be happening. And to your point, when you see a market and what you see with carriers, when anybody can make money because you're able to charge five and six dollars a mile and you're constantly just chasing how much you make now, there's not a focus on operational efficiency. There's not a focus on relationships. There's just what is in it for me right now. And the retraction has to happen for the strong and sturdy companies to survive, right? Because if it doesn't cycle back, it's a runaway train to where everybody's just charging more every day until eventually people can't afford to buy the things. And that's literally where we're at, right? Yeah. And the same, I mean, the same thing goes for, for freight brokers that, you know, when it's, when it's easy to to get a lot of money from your customers and you just got to find a truck versus, hey, I've got to actually add real value Value. here and there's more competition throughout the industry. It's going to weed out the folks that either don't make enough money brokering so they just shut down their operation and go get a different job or whatever else the case might be, right? They're just not going to have enough business because they're not, I don't want to say they're not good enough at it, but I mean, it's kind of what it is. They're they're not, they're not good enough at it. You know what I mean? I guess. That's, so there you go. That's that's my my take on the benefit, the necessary evil of the market cycling. Life. And here's the other thing. The other thing is, I don't mind working in either. In fact, to be honest, I would rather be prospecting in a transitionary period, whether it's getting tighter or looser. Because when it's transitioning, like right now, and you're seeing people weed it out, like now being good at your job is a huge value add, right? Because again, you're managing your expenses, you're doing the right things. If you're able to do those things, that's why they always say like fortunes are built during bear markets, not during growth periods, because the growth periods inevitably end and the people that shouldn't have been making money, that were able to just profit by the top, eventually give it back when the market turns around. But the companies that steadily focus on what they need to, they manage their expenses, they grow steadily, they make sure they're not over leveraged with debt, right? They just follow the fundamentals, right? And grow at a nice clip every year. They're the ones that come out of these way better than they were going into it. It's the ones that are constantly short-sighted that are having a terrible time now because they thought it was going to rain cash every day indefinitely by doing nothing, right? These customers will last forever. Everybody will always give me more than I need to pay my trucks and I don't need to prospect anymore. And this is exactly what we talk about and preach about almost every week in our show. Inevitably, time will work against you because it's all cyclical. It doesn't just move in one direction. So we're in a, you know, we're we're heading in the direction now where capacity has loosened up, rates have gone down. 
it's it's easier to secure a truck. And this is the time when I think it's extremely important to double down on your on your um, your focus to really strengthen your carrier, your network and your carrier relations, right? So yeah. you'll see, you know, a lot, like we said, you, you'll have some some smaller companies that are weeded out because they were chasing the money and it was raining cash every single day. But this is the time when you should not be taking advantage of carriers just because some of them took advantage of you in the last couple of years. And I've talked to enough brokers that have, they, they told me over the, the last... 12 to 18 months. Like, I can't wait till the market flips. I'm just going to screw all these guys over because they've been screwing me. And I'm like, well, that's, that's a good way to lose your the same behavior. It's the, it's same, the same thing. Yeah. It's the make same behavior. Just, now you're the one doing it. Um, yeah. It's still short sighted. We talk about it. Like even if you talk, so if you talk to a carrier on the phone and they're, they're not a good fit for that load, that should not necessarily just be the end of the conversation, right? This is a great time to ask yes. them. Okay. Well, so if you don't have a truck, if you you know if this is not this old's not good for you, or um, you don't have the right equipment, or the price isn't right for what you, you're looking for on this one, um, what are you looking for, right? How often do you have trucks that are in this area, right? This is when you should really be document or gather the information and then do something with it. Don't just forget, like log it into your TMS, put it in that carrier's profile as a preferred lane or whatever your method is that you're using, because when it comes time when things tighten up or you have a new customer and you're not familiar with that that specific region or area and you need some capacity, now you've got the information. Yep. And here's another one, right? And that's a big one. You think, right, how many dispatchers you're, you're fielding a call from on a daily basis if you're covering loads all day, right? Quite a few. Now, and you think, how many dispatchers do you think that you spoke to that are only working to book one truck that day? Like none, maybe one maybe two out of the 50 calls you field or the 80 calls. But yet of those other 79 people or 89 people that you spoke to, you think if you just ask that question you pointed out, which is what other loads, what other trucks are you working on? Where else do you need loads out of? Because I yep. guarantee you, no matter where you are, you've probably got access to more loads as well. And then we just get stuck in this transactional habit of what's your rate? What's the commodity? Oh, that's no good. Hang up. And it's just this over and over again. It's like, well, I get it. And the reason that is, is because we're all habituated into the carriers having the leverage. That's shifted, right? Right. So now <clears throat> when the carrier is pressuring you to give them a weight and a rate because in a commodity, so they can get off and shop you against everybody else, change the dynamic, right? There's a great tip that I was working through with somebody today. And they're like, well, you know, it's just weird. It's hard for me. I don't know what to do. I'm like, how about this? Just put them on hold next time. When they go and come at you and go, hey, hey, what are you paying on this? What, what's the commodity? What are we shipping? If they talk here at this space, I'm always going to do the opposite. I'm going to slow them down, right? Pattern interrupt. If they're if they're urgently trying to get me it, hey, John, what's your MC? Okay. All right. Oh, hold on. Give me one second. I got a call on the other line. Put them on hold. I might not even have another call on the other line, but I want to change the dynamic, right? I'm going to freeze this guy and let him sit there for a minute. If he's still there when I come back, there's something in that load that he wants. I don't even need to ask him that. If he's still waiting on hold for 10 or 15 seconds, he either needs that load because it's going in a direction he needs to, it's picking up where he needs to. There's something about it that interests him. He's not just shopping the rate, right? Yep. And yep, the next thing is, right. right, going back. And again, we're so used to them being able to put the urgency on us and rushing us, right? Because we needed them for so long. That like when you change the dynamic and you slow it down, you're also taking away their leverage, right? And you're taking away yeah. their leverage so that we can sell on the things outside of rate. Hey, 
got a chance to go through your MC. Where are you looking to go? What, is this load a good fit for you? Hey, by the way, do you have any other, other trucks you're working on while we're looking at this one, right? And just getting out of the same pattern you've been in because if you say things that are unexpected to them, they're going to actually have to think and respond like a human being instead of just saying the same thing to get you off to shop you to get to the next one and the next call. So you brought up dispatchers when I, I, I don't want to fly by this one. So independent dispatchers, two things I want to hit on. Number one, they have blown up in the last couple of years as well. And I think you're going to see a lot of them get weeded out because Ooh, either 100%. you know they weren't good at their job or their the carriers that they had, I guess, in if you want to call it their book of business or inside their, their Rolodex there, some of them might have gone out of business or whatever the case might be. Um, but the other side of that too is those are extremely valuable relationships to develop as a broker is with these independent dispatchers because one of them, you have your one contact with them can get you reached to maybe eight different trucking companies, right? Mm-hmm. You, you got one. So like it's, it's that multiplier effect. So I encourage people and, you know, I know, I know a lot of TMSs aren't built to hold like a, a dispatcher as a, like a, as a contact or anything like that, but you can save them in like your, in your CRM, just like they're a customer of yours. Right. They're, so yes. there's definitely a way to, to track them and know, Hey, what, you know, what carriers are they typically working with? What kind of equipment do they have access to? Where are they typically trying to um, get loads out of and stuff like that? Cause those, I mean, the, the reach that a good dispatcher can have is, is going to be a huge bonus for a freight broker to have that as a relationship. So Absolutely. Yeah. And here's a, here's another kind of thing to point out that I thought was pretty interesting that came up last week, right? Is there was a scenario where um, the company had been running dedicated lanes. We'll call it, you know, eight loads a week, right? For this customer at the same rate for about the past two years, since pretty much the beginning of the pandemic, right? So the carrier came back to the broker um, recently as fuel went up and said, look, like I need a higher rate. I can't run this for that, right? Well, at the same time, the customer had said, look, like, we either need a lower rate or we're going to have to give some of these loads to somewhere else, right? So they're getting squeezed on both sides. The carrier needs more money. The shipper saying, hey, we're going to be paying you less or giving you less loads, right? Or that same scenario could be happening for a lot of people and they're being told that those loads are unavailable, right? But we know there's a pretty good likelihood of what's happening because of what we just talked about in the market. If contract loads are paying more than the spot loads, what's happening from a shipper's point of view is carriers are going directly to them and saying, hey, I know the market is whatever right now. I'll run it for just a little bit more, but I'll come every week. Will that help you? And you realize what they have been habituated to over the past two and a half years is they're so terrified their freight's not going to move that they're willing to pay a little more for security, right? Okay. So let's take that and unpack that. And what do we do with that scenario? So if the shippers are being shopped and they are evaluating new opportunities amongst carriers and brokers. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing, right? I mean, even if it's shrinking. I think any kind of competition is a good thing. Right. And even from like our point of view, like if if customers are willing to reevaluate their providers, that just means I have a higher likelihood of being able to speak to them and for them to evaluate me as a potential provider or a vendor for them, right? Even if the rates are going down, because again, I haven't even locked in my cost yet. So if it's at 250 a mile or 245 a mile, like, okay, I don't even know my margin, but at least I've got an opportunity to sit at the table and be evaluated. Yep. Now the other side, and this was the part that I found interesting was they're like, yeah, we're just not getting them anymore because our carrier wouldn't come down on their rate. They wanted more. So we've lost all of them. And I was like, well, is that the only way we could have solved this? 
And the question was like, well, well, what do you mean? Like the carrier wanted more, the shipper wanted was going to pay less, there wasn't enough in the middle, so we got squeezed out. And I'm like, well, if you know that carriers, it's loose, carriers need freight, and they definitely need consistent freight. They're asking for consistent freight. They want to be able to know what they're doing, right? Because they're going to the shippers and literally agreeing to it. You can see it in the market. Okay, are we calling other carriers and seeing if we can get another carrier for a lower rate? Are we just saying because the carrier that was running it won't come down on the rate, all of a sudden it's like, we're not going to be able to do it. And I think a lot of why that's happening is because people just haven't been used to calling and selling like from the contract perspective as a broker, calling carriers that are domiciled where their loads are picking up and going, hey, maybe we've run one load with you. Maybe we've not worked with you at all, but I've got some freight coming out of where you guys are located. I'm assuming you got a yard there or some of your drivers live in that area. Would it work for you if we could get you some loads on a, on a consistent basis? Hey, I know you want to be at three bucks a mile, but if I can give you five loads a week, would you do them for 225 a mile? And those and are just the conversations is- just not seeing happening. I was going to say, I think this is, well, I think part of it is that a lot of newer brokers haven't lived in a market yet where they've had to go about doing business that way. They've been so used to post and pray and, hey, if yep. you've got a hot load and you post it and your phone blows up with 10 phone calls, then why would you ever have to get yourself, <laughs> you know what I mean, in, in the habit of, you know, reaching out to carriers and having those conversations? Um but yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. We had somebody ask us earlier today about, you know, hey, if, if you know, and I, I was going to answer this more so towards the end, but customers, a lot of them are, they're going back to reevaluate their pricing through bid processes, right? Mm-hmm. And when that happens, as a broker, you can't just, you know, you can't just take a rating tool and add a margin and submit that and expect to actually do well, right? Because what happens if you actually get awarded something you don't have, you don't, have the money in it or the carriers to actually do it for you. So to go out there and actually have conversations with carriers and be able to offer them consistent business and get them to, you can basically lock down your capacity before you're even throwing your price in for that bid. Right? Yes. So that, and I think and, that's something that people have been doing the last two years. And I want to, and I, and I, that's exactly one of the things that I wanted to get to at the show is to talk about the difference of that conversation versus a conversation with somebody you're booking in the spot market. Right. The spot yes. market, you're, you're verifying the details, when and where this guy is going to get empty. Hopefully, you're asking where this guy wants to be delivering or which direction he needs to head into before you're getting to rate. Like, Because again, rate is the one thing that we want to keep for last. We don't even really want to, like, in my opinion, if, if we're talking about rate, I lost control of the conversation too early yep. on. Like it needs to be talked about, don't get me wrong. But again, if we're talking about it very early on in the conversation, they're controlling it, not me. Right. Like I want to be talking about the other things, you know, how heavy is the load? Are they easy to load there? Are they easy to deliver? How's the shipper? How's the receiver? How's the communication? Do they pay decent on detention? Are they a pain in the ass to deal with? Is it easy to secure? Is it a pain in the ass to to unload? Right. All of the things, the other things outside of rate is where we want that conversation. Now, and questions like, hey, where's your where's your driver coming from? Or where's where is he or she looking to go? Um, mm -hmm. you know, and it, or if it comes down to you, you got to ask questions about log hours, right? How much do they have yep. left? You know, what do they need for reset? When are they going to be available to pick this up tomorrow? Stuff like that, right? You get them away from the rate part. And I think by asking those questions, you'll tend to find out what really is important to them. So, for example, if you can uncover the fact that it's the location that makes this load desirable and that's why they are on the phone with you, mm-hmm. well, 
now you've retained the leverage and the upper hand in this in this conversation. The rate's going to come secondary to that. You've got more wiggle room on it. And, and to go a little bit further, right? One of my favorite techniques to do that is when someone calls about a lane, I make it appear as if I've got multiple lanes coming out of that city. If they're like, hey, I'm calling on that Kansas to whatever, Boston, I might go, oh, hey, you know what? Yeah, give me one sec. What's your MC? I'm going to slow it down, same thing. And then I'm going to go right back and go, you know what? Actually, I got a handful of loads coming out of there, um, actually in multiple directions. Where does your driver want to go? even if I don't have any other loads, because now it seems like I'm giving them something more, but all I'm really doing is trying to suss out that information. Yep. Oh no, I, I really just wanted the one to Boston. You sure? I got one going to Houston. It might be paying a little better. No, he needs to go to Boston. Now I have the leverage. The one thing they don't want to tell me, I've got them to admit to, right? So now yep. they don't have the upper hand, the, oh, I either need to pay them or I don't pay them. I know what they need. And I've got a little more leverage in that conversation. Absolutely. That's huge, man. That's huge. I do want to cover one kind of more thing before we kind of go into the Q&A and stuff. And it's the, the type of conversation you have to bring on a carrier on a long-term basis, right? And there's always this trade-off, like it's time, right? It's time and predictability. So if I've got a carrier that wants to do something for whatever, a thousand, $1,000 a day, and we'll say they're semi-local, right? I'm going to be calling local carriers and going, look, I know you guys get $1,000 a day to run this and I can see you're getting that in the spot market. But let me ask you, I mean, if I can give this to you four days a week, would you be willing to do it for nine? You don't have to worry about it. And again, whether the rates go up or down, like, you know, you can depend on this. You know, the shipper's decent. You know, the receiver's easy to deal with. You know, you've got me to facilitate any problems at either side. If I can guarantee you this type of volume, would this work for you, right? And that's the very different conversation where you're selling a lower rate, but you're selling them the value of predictableness, right? Consistency, absolutely. Yes. And we talk about this, and that's why I think it was so important we talked about this at the beginning of the episode is this is why the companies that aren't willing to look long-term don't make it through these cycles. They're the first ones to go out of business. The ones that are, and again, they're not all just going to take lower paying freight that's consistent. What you'll see the smarter business people do is they'll have some consistent and some spot freight. So they know they can at least rely on certain amount of predictable income to pay their expenses, to pay their trucks, to pay their insurance, to keep their drivers, their lights on. And then hopefully they've got some more money where they can make a big rip here or there on the spot market. So you've got a little bit of both. The ones that constantly trace the short-term profit and the what can I make today, I am me, me, mine, never make it through the downturns. And it's yep. because of this very nature. And they're the first ones to scream and yell at everybody else. And here's here. So I like how you brought up having a blend of, of both types of business. Cause in a, in a, in a market where we're, well, we're flip-flopped right now, but when it's not flip-flopped, when the spot market is more expensive than the contract market, it is healthy to have um, consistent business that is lower touch. You spend less time covering because it's already you, you already have it and you have a lot of your carrier base in place. Um, you might make a lesser or a lower percentage on that business, but it's it's consistent and it's low touch, right? And then you can pad that with your spot market freight that is going to take more of your time, but you're going to make more margin on it. So it's a good it's a good blend to have, and it's that gives you that security as the market shifts you don't have all your eggs in one basket, right? You're not just dealing with the spot market or just dealing with the contract market. Uh, you, you, I, you know, it's kind of like a diversified uh, book of business, if you want to call it that. So yep. it's a good. 
And I think one of one of the other things that is is also overlooked is like how that actually plays out, right? Because again, like if you're doing that on that side, you need to make sure that information gets back to the shipper side, right? And if you're in a pod model or you guys are split, or maybe sometimes you people who cover your loads aren't necessarily in as direct contact with your customer reps, now's a really important period for these departments to communicate more than they normally do, right? Um, you know, in a cradle to the grave model, everybody kind of knows what's going on. It also has its pros and cons, but I would say that like, when you are seeing the shifting market where you need to sometimes take, to your point, the demand side, the trucks back to the shipper and to say, look, I know I haven't been running these lanes for you, but I've got six trucks that I know run that I know want a lane that you have run in the past. Is there any way that we might be able to look at a rate where we could give it to them every week, right? Being able to take that side over to the other side and you're really operating more like an asset company than a, than a broker, right? Because you're literally taking predictable assets and offering them. And you're going to get different pricing for it because from their point of view, it has a different value. If you just want one load versus you're going to give me six trucks every week, just like the market showing, shippers are willing to pay a little bit more for that predictiveness now. So if you can yep. take it back to your customers, that's a great opportunity right now in this market to go get the dedicated freight, not just waiting for them to give it to you and then to build dedicated lanes later, right? Go get the demand, take it back to the supply side and try to bridge that gap yourself. That's the it's the golden answer right there, because freight brokers should not just be I mean, anyone could book a truck. Right. But to to be a really, really good value add to your customer and to your carriers as well as where the best freight brokers, um, you know, that's that's where they operate and where they do their business. And those are the ones that make it through the tough changing markets and things like yeah. that. So good discussion. And um we're going to dig a little bit more into the market during the Q&A, but first going to give a shout out to our friends over at Lean Solutions Group. Lean Solutions Group is the industry leader in nearshore staffing solutions with offices in South America, including freight broker back office operations, accounting, tech development, business development, marketing, customer service, and many other positions. To learn more about the vast solutions Lean has to offer your freight brokerage or agency, visit www.leangroup.com. All right. So um, I'm going to take uh, the first question I'm going to bring up is the one we kind of alluded to. Somebody asked, how will this recession affect the freight market? So um, I think it's official now two consecutive uh, quarters of economic uh, negative growth or decline or, you know, it's there's been it's recession, right? Receding of the of the growth. So how does that affect the freight market? Well, to recap, we already said consumer demand goes down, leads to less trucking company or less demand to ship goods on trucks, which leads to um, less work for trucking companies. I think you're going to see some of them go out of business. They're going to downsize, lay folks off, et cetera. Um, and I think you're going to see more competition amongst the available carriers there. And that's going to bring, I think you're going to see a lot of reintroduction of, of bids and RFPs and things of that nature. So, um, but ultimately things will again, and it's cyclical nature, will again return to a growth mode and you'll see kind of what we saw the last two years but not as extreme i think you'll see it go back towards that do you have any i mean we, we really already kind of answered the question throughout the episode but do you have any more insight what you think or you expect to happen during a recessionary time no i mean i think we've covered a lot of it i think you're going to see a lot of those dispatchers that were able to make 10 percent just to book trucks are going to be gone um because yep. there's not enough meat on the bone there's not enough margin left for them for a truck driver to pay someone to do that for them in a lot of cases 
I yeah. think, again, a lot of the, and you're, you're going to start seeing it already, where a lot of the short-sighted carriers are really getting beat up because they're now at the market, they're at the mercy of a market that is much lower than it was before. And they don't have any dedicated lanes. They don't have anything in there that wasn't just spot load. So they're, they're basically going to be left holding the bag. And as you're seeing fuel go up, it's just going to expedite that. Yep. But that's not always a bad thing again, right? Because as soon as it reaches a point where there's less capacity, even if there's a smaller number of loads available, if the capacity shrinks too fast, it all tightens back up again, regardless of yep. what the overall economy does. It's all a function of just loads versus trucks available in any given market. So even if the whole yep. economy shrinks, if there's less trucks in that market, you could still end up with a very tight market in a high lane where you're paying a lot of money and you can make big rips on it again. Agreed. I think, um, so like uh, more on the economic side too, we talked about, was it class A truck orders um, and how long it took for for trucks to be produced and how back ordered they were. I think you're going to see some of these fleets selling off equipment. So the demand for new truck, I bet you'll see your class A orders go down because um, there'll be more available used equipment that's out there yes. for resale. So Yep. All right. Next question. How can I protect myself from double brokering now that it's getting so common? Um, well, we have a dispatch checklist. You can go to the website. Um, we, we use it at my own my own day job at Pierce Worldwide as well. And there's a lot of questions on that you can ask that someone that's trying to double broker scheme you will not be able to answer. And these are things like, what's the MC on the side of the truck? Um, you know, what's the make and model of a tractor trailer number. Um, so you get, you know, you can ask those kinds of questions. Another thing too, is that the, the first thing you should do when you get an MC number is run it and check out for any, you know, freight guards, um, TIA watchdog reports, bad reviews on DAT. I mean, you name it, right? Check your own TMS. If there's been history of it. Double brokering has gotten ridiculous. You can also do things like not giving out the full pickup address until you have a driver that's actually rolling, you can verify that you're not, you know, you're not being scammed by somebody. So um, don't take shortcuts because it's going to cost you thousands of dollars if it does happen to you. You got anything you want to add on that one? Nah. Okay. So yeah, good luck out there because double brokering has, it has gotten crazy. I literally, Ben, I don't know if I told you this story. I talked to somebody earlier this week that was interested in um, wanted to be an agent for our company, and I was talking through asking her like, "Hey, so how do you how do you operate your business? Or, you know, how's your brokerage business now?" And she's basically telling me that um, she's like, "Yeah, you know, I do this and blah blah blah." And I'm like, "You so you're you're brokering freight, but you don't have an authority." She's basically she's going to get freight from a customer or from a broker, and then not put it on a truck, but sell it to another truck. And I'm like, I'm like, you guys, you're, you're double brokering and you're admitting it to me right now that you, you're not a freight broker. You're either taking, yeah. you're either taking freight from right, right from a shipper and giving it to a truck without the legal authority to do it. Or you're taking it off the load board and giving it to another trucking company. Like you're a dispatcher, but you're calling yourself a broker. And I'm like, she's like, well, no, it's not, it's not illegal what I'm doing. And I'm like, it absolutely is, you know, not a good fit for our company, but thank you. So, it's so like she literally admitted to me that she was double brokering and didn't even realize that what she was doing was wrong. 
So well, that's, that's scary. That goes back to the earlier point, right? When you have these frothy periods where it's like raining money, right? What you have are a lot of people that, again, they don't, it's not, the market isn't requiring them to have any competitive advantage. It's not requiring them to learn the skills. There's just so much money flowing through the system that people that genuinely don't know what they're doing are still yep. in it. And that's why you're seeing it become more profitable now. Anytime you see yeah. things shrink, right? You see people doing things unethically or things outside of the guidelines because, again, they weren't required to have to be ethical or to do them fundamentally correctly in the first place. Yeah. So, and guess, guess where she was located, this said broker? SoCal? Southern California. <laughs> Notorious. Go figure. All right. Last question. Um, I'll let you take point on it and then I'll add my thoughts. What is the main or what are the main reasons that new brokers fail? We, and we've covered, we've covered a bunch of them today, but what do you think? I'd say the number one is they don't put in the activity consistently. They don't put the time in and go to work every day. Um, it's an expectation that working a couple hours a day will get you there. I'd say that's the biggest reason people fail. Yep. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a numbers game. And if you don't have the activity, the, the results are going to be there. I will also say um, lack of education in general, like l- lack of awareness and understanding of of mm-hmm. what your job is supposed to be and what's going on in the market around you, right? There, you've had people that are failing now because they started brokering 18, 12 or 18 months ago and they have never seen the market the way that it is right now, the way that it's heading towards and they don't, they don't know what to do. They're not paying attention to what's going on around them and they, they're not doing their research or staying up to, do, up to date on the news and what's going on in the economy. So I think it's just a, a lack of education. I mean, you probably have people too that when they hop on the phone with a carrier, they, don't, they have no idea what they're talking about. Or on the phone with yes. a the shipper, they have no idea what they're talking about. And don't get me wrong. The, when, you, when you first get, get into any sales role, uh, there's, a, there's a period of time where you're going to spend a lot of time making phone calls that don't lead to anything except for your personal development. And that is totally fine. And that is part of the process. Don't expect to become a freight broker in your first you know, first 10 phone calls, you land two customers. It's just, it's just not going to happen, right? They can smell you or they can, as soon as you hop on the phone, they know you're a freight broker and that you're cold calling them. And you haven't really figured out how to, um, you know, harvest or I guess sharpen your blade and really hone in on your craft when it comes to, you know, prospecting and whatnot. So, but yeah, I definitely agree with you. Number one is lack of activity. Yeah. And again, I think what you really put that pretty accurately, right? Like that first thousand to 1500 calls you're going to make, they're the investment, they're your education. That's the gateway to success. Like if you don't think you're going to have to put that in for everybody out there, that's probably why you're not going to succeed because it's required, it's necessary. And having somebody to tell you what you don't know, you don't know is also absolutely vital as well. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's totally okay to say, Hey, hey, I'm going to get back to you on that. Right. Don't fluff an answer or lie. You know, yeah. if you don't know, you don't know. So I think back to like when I was one of my first jobs in um, high school was being a, a server at a restaurant, so being a waiter, essentially. And better waiters get better tips. Right. So when you're brand new as a waiter and you screw up somebody's order or you're slow service or you forget to check on them, you're going to get a smaller tip than when you've been doing it for a while. And you've really, really figured out the best way to do things efficiently and and do with, you know, service with a smile, right? And you're fun, you're making their their evening enjoyable. Your tips are going to 
be the result of that. And that's all a process. You're not going to be a great waiter on night number one, and you're not going to be a fr- great freight broker on day number one. So, and that's over okay. That's with everything we do as human beings. It takes time, yep. takes practice, takes consistency, and it is doing it over and over again until you get better at it. Definitely. Well, we're definitely going to have to hit on the other, the topic, um, you know, how to, we'll focus on the book of business, your customer side in an upcoming episode, especially in how that's going to be impacted in a changing market. But um, you got any, uh, anything else cool going on or any final closing thoughts here? No, I think that the one thing I just want to point out, right, is these conversations, you're, the biggest way that I look at them is in this market, you're trying to get the carriers to look at the risk moving forward, not just what they're making today. And that is not a difficult, it's not an easy thing to do. That is probably one of the more difficult things to do. Even like from my perspective, it's probably the hardest thing in this job is to get a carrier to see that it makes sense to sometimes take a load for less money into the future than to constantly rely on what they're going to make on any given day. It's not easy yep. to get people to see that. They are going to constantly want to re- resort and revert back to, well, I, I can go get this somewhere else. And this is what my time's worth. And this ego thing that they all, and it's just like, it's exhausting. But when you yep. get one of them there, it pays you dividends into the future. And that's why it's worth it to have these conversations. The the best run business people, and this could be a carrier, a broker, whatever, right? They do what makes sense in the long run. And I think- the flip side of that is the ones that are poorly run or poorly managed do what feels good right now, right? So it's like that short-sightedness versus the long-term vision. And you can't make all your carriers think that way. So if you if you do what's difficult today, life becomes very easy or much easier. If you do what's easy today, the rest of your life becomes much more difficult. There's always knew, that trade-off. I knew you're gonna have Every to get day. one quote out of you today, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. What else you got? I'm still taking donations at the Ukrainian Guardian Angel Fund. So if you haven't donated, all of them have been greatly appreciated. Still sending a lot of resources and money over there. It's all greatly appreciated and really needed. So if you haven't donated and you can, or you have the, the, any little bit to share, it's going to a great cause and would greatly appreciate it. Awesome. Whether you well, believe you uh... can or believe you can't, you're right. <laughs> And until next week, go Bells. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Check out the show notes for links to anything that we've referenced on this episode. And make sure to visit us online at Freight360.net to see our entire library of episodes, videos, blogs, and more. And make sure to check us out on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel for daily and weekly tips and content. And if you'd like your question answered on the show, fill out the Contact Us form on our site and we'll see you next week. 